Hello and welcome to the A-Form show. My name is Alan George and thank you very much for tuning in. Each week we sit across from thought leaders and change makers in the architecture and design space of the GCC. We dive deep into their experiences both professionally and personally and share their valuable insight as to what makes them tick. Our goal is to add value to your day and help you navigate your own personal creative journey. Finally, the opinions and the views of the guest speakers are that of their own. They do not necessarily represent the views and the opinions of the show or the host. Hello and welcome to the show everyone. This week we are joined by Dr. Bhakti More, Deputy Chairperson and Associate Professor at the School of Design and Architecture for the Manipal Academy of Higher Education, the Bai campus. Dr. Bhakti has been instrumental in molding the next generation of architects in the city. She has been a champion for elevating the design community by contributing research and insight. Dr. Bhakti truly believes at bridging the gap between the professional practice and academia. So without further ado, Let's get into it. Good morning, Bhakti. How are you? Good morning, Alan. And pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you for making the time. Um, just off air, we were talking about uh, how there's been multiple paradigm shifts in just one person's career in this field. So things like the metaverse have taken us all by storm. We'll get into that shortly. But just to kind of give us a bit of a brief, because as you know, our audience is kind of diverse and a bit all over the career spectrum. So in your opinion, we're just curious to understand how has architectural education evolved over the last decade or 15 years or so on? Yeah, so Alan, before we talk about architecture education, let's talk about the way the architecture profession has been shaping over the last few years. And it has always been changing with time. And, uh, you know, years back, uh, if you see the whole concept of uh, drawing boards was there in the architectural studios, not just in the uh, education classrooms, but also in uh, the studios, in right. the profession. Right. And today we see that it's changing and it's already changed to the digital media. So that shift has happened and we see that transformation. And during the last decade, I would say COVID has done the transformation from physical learning spaces to the virtual learning environments. So the studios, which were very traditional and the teaching that happened in classroom is now taken a paradigm shift to what we say is a virtual environment which is completely having no boundaries. So that's where the culture of collaboration starts and everything has become very dynamic. So today it's not just a studio culture where you have uh, the faculty and the students, but it could be even students coming from uh, different geographies and you have collaborators, you have mentors, design faculties, international design consultants also coming into your studio and taking that virtual space. So I think everything has seen that uh, change and it's also uh, very evident from what has happened during the last two years in the COVID times. And uh, one of the things that also is seen in the profession that it's no longer the architect taking the whole role in the profession, but a lot of specializations are seen in the uh, design practice. So you have a sustainability consultant, you have a landscape designer, you have a lighting consultant for a project, you have the FLS, and you know, it's becoming very much user-centric adoptive, environmentally responsible. And this demand has been from the authorities, from the clients and various stakeholders from a project. Hence, in the uh, education and the curriculum, you see that there are courses offered in lighting design and 
sustainable design. So the specializations are gaining a lot of importance, which was not there some uh, years back. And that's where the curriculum alignment is also seen where whatever is demand in the practice, uh, you can see that change happening in the education and uh, in the overall outline of the courses. Another thing I would really like to talk about is the extensive use of BIM in architectural right. practice. You see that that's now taking over the complete role of uh, quantity estimation, also the way you look at energy modeling. And there are tools like the parametric design, visualization software, real-time analysis, the AR and VR technologies. And you see that uh, the young generation, they really like to work with a lot of tools and technologies. They are faster than anybody else. And that's where we see that these tools and technologies have really seen that impact in the design studios. So where there was hand sketching, now you see that transformation to all these new softwares that are coming in. And the way we uh, look at uh, education is like reimagining it. Right. It's much different. And every year is going to be different. Some new changes are going to happen all the way. Also, these online platforms are becoming new learning spaces where you can see a lot of resources available. At one point, you get access to information. You've also uh, at comfort at your home and then you're able to uh, know about so many things that happen. So I think students have an access to a lot of things. Also, uh, we can see that research is gaining a lot of importance in education, that uh, there are areas like AI, circular economy towards climate change, blockchain technologies, and so many others. So it's not just becoming an hardcore architecture education as such, but it's getting on that multidisciplinary uh, facets. And more important is to understand that uh, the role of architects is also changing. Right. And that's where uh, we see that difference and the trends coming. Uh, though it, I would not say it's 100% aligned, but uh, the change is happening in the education. And the role of a faculty is not just uh, only to uh, you know, guide the students, but also to facilitate the learning process. So that's the change that we can see. And uh, there are areas where um, uh, we can see employment opportunities, not just in the practice, but also in terms of having own setups, business management, and these other skills are also given importance. Uh, there are universities who offer courses designed with uh, business. Right. And I think that's something which is, which is changing. It wasn't there years back and uh, trends in uh, curriculum, trends in way you uh, look at uh, design practice. So all that uh, change is seen uh, very rapidly. Interesting. I mean, that's a topic which we always, always cover, especially if it's a young studio. Every kind of designer's regret rather is I never learned about things like, you know, what is a profit margin and what is liquidity and what is, you know, equity and so on and so forth. And how do I actually set up cash flow and things like that? I'm a very good designer and I can design and deliver the project, but how do I make it financially viable? How do I grow a team? How do I recruit? Are all kind of aspects which I think most graduates typically don't really grasp at the university level, but I'm glad to know that it's being considered. A few other questions I had were kind of to just, you know, dial it back a bit. And the fact that it's getting so diverse in education is obviously a good thing. But then I've always wondered about kind of like a very selfish question, actually, which is, I understand that there may be marking schemes and so on to kind of evaluate everybody fairly to an extent, but 
fundamentally, I've always thought, how can you actually grade design? Because, I mean, there are, you know, classic examples of, you know, the Zahas of the world who was basically ridiculed throughout entire her, you know, university education. But then, of course, she goes on to be, you know, one of the greatest of all times. And there are many cases like that, you know, students who don't necessarily fit within the grading criteria and so on. So maybe there's no answer to this, but I'm trying to understand from your end as a professional in academia, can design actually be graded? And is there a better way to do it? Or as is, is fine? What are your thoughts? Uh, design is very subjective. And uh, honestly speaking, even I have challenges to really grade somebody on design because something that I perceive is uh, something that is very individual. Right. And uh, I feel that when we have to grade students, it's always good to invite industry experts. Right. And they grade it rather than, uh, you know, the studio faculty grading it. Because then we look at uh, the perspectives that they have. And it is something that also adds on value to students when they give comments and say, this is what you should have done and you could do it better. And uh, it's really very difficult to mark a design right? because it's also sometimes what happens is some students start it in a conceptual stage very well, but maybe because of some constraints, they're not able to do it better. And the final presentation may not be good, but the process is very good. Right. So it's always a debate whether the process should be given more weightage or the final should be given more weightage. And then what are we looking at? Are we looking at their skills or are we looking at functions or aesthetics or the visual renders or um, services? Right. So there's always been a debate and there is no answer to it, whether which is the right way to do it. Right. But it's always good to invite experts. And uh, I've seen that if the reviewers are from that experience uh, industry areas, then uh, it really helps. And right. then we can look at also having uh, many uh, like a panel there. So not just one person, but maybe a panel who reviews that design and gives uh, constructive comments. And at the same time, I always tell students, you know, you're, you're look at the skills and the learning process. Do not look at the marks and grades because at the end, uh, when you are applying for a job or you're looking uh, for an interview, you're attending an interview, it's important that it's uh, what you project is what have you achieved in the learning process and not what grades you have achieved because your skills and learning is the most important criteria. Right, right. And that's, that's again, on this side of things, which is the, the, the profession, we have the exact same debate as well. We typically get portfolios which have brilliant renders or have awesome sketches or just are very well put together. You can see that this person clearly thinks from a design point of view. But then again, it, it is so, so subjective at the end of the day. And I, I, I myself find it quite, quite difficult as to how you can kind of, you know, grade. But again, good to know that it's at least being thought about and, you know, kind of trying to find this good middle ground in between is good. Another question that I had, and this is again, a very selfish question. And <laughs> I please, please forgive me if it comes off as rude, but uh, I feel like this is something which if, if I'm thinking about it, there are definitely other graduates or even, you know, students who are thinking about it. Um, and I'll give you a bit of a backstory, something like this podcast, uh, as an architect, I obviously never learned audio engineering, neither did I know about how to put this together, but it was something which, um, I kind of just learned through online courses and YouTube and kind of seeing other people, how they did it and kind of learned it from them. And I'm not saying this is the best by no means, but, uh, it's not too bad either. 
So as as an architect, <laughs> I'm a bit I'm a bit concerned and excited about the possibilities of what that means. Um, so I want to know from you again from academia, can this beautiful field that we called architecture can can this be learned online without the traditional institution without the traditional professor can this be learned by just putting in the hours and kind of doing it yourself yes yeah, so i would uh, just go back to the covid pandemic uh, experience where everyone was forced into an emergency remote learning there was no option but we all had to do it and now that we are coming back to the face to face classrooms we realized that how difficult it was to deliver uh, architectural design courses and the practical courses online because uh, there was no face to face and there was no interaction with um, the peers faculties and the studio experience is something that really was lacking right and uh, we all we have that example today to uh, have the story behind it that it was a uh, really lacking that face to face experience and that's why we could say that um, it's very important to have that personal experience because it's not about just um, a one sided learning but it's more about a dialogue and interaction that happens in the studio and uh, though uh, i would say a hybrid format would always work that you have face to face learning but it's also uh, supported by something online platform where you learn and you collaborate so something like that can work really better so definitely the concept of uh, universities is always going to be there because we've seen that uh, students were more excited to come back to campus right. and have that experience what they missed during right. that uh, two years and also learning in isolation is not what really architects should do right. it's always important to have a collaborative environment and have that experience we are talking about uh, you know something like an uh, personal a journey that a student has when they join the first year of program and we've seen that it was much easier for the students of a masters program or maybe the fourth or final year of architecture where they could really have these online much easier than the student who is joining new to the program right and peer learning is something what is also important for design education so i would say that um, online is always good as a resource but it could be an add on and more of a value add experience okay interesting yes now that i think about it it is so obvious that of course architects need to learn how to teamwork and be collaborative and i can see how i can see how that can be divorced if if you're not not in a studio environment that makes a lot of sense um i am curious though with with obviously the newer generation of architects that are coming now that you're looking at things like admissions and you know so on um do you feel like there's a preference from the students from high school that are looking to join architecture do you think there's a preference that they want things to be online and they want kind of programs automated that kind of thing or do they still want the kind of old school architecture uh i think what excites students more is a hands on learning right which can never be in an online platform right and i've always seen that when uh, they've given this models and something which is uh, for them to experience right the real time learning they find it uh, more exciting so the activity based learning is still something which is uh, what the generation likes right right so uh, that's uh, where they uh, can team up 
and do some projects together, make some 3D models. Uh, we also have 3D printing labs now in universities where they can see, you know, how their ideas are now converting yeah, yeah, into yeah. and can print be printed. So I think that's something which is not there in online. Agreed completely. As as a firm that recently got into 3D printing, us at Orange, uh, me, myself, personally, I'm super excited every time there's a 3D print for the exact same reason. So I can I can completely, completely understand. I'm kind of just trying to go back to the students a bit. So from from your experience, having been in academia for so long, what do you think are student aspirations today when they graduate? I mean, because I know for someone like myself, when I graduated from a university here, in my mind, I was like, yep, job at Foster's, done. You know, obviously, what else would I consider? And obviously, once once you graduate, you know, you realize the harsh reality of life that it's not necessarily that. So I'm trying to understand from a profession point of view, what what do students want when they graduate? What are the kind of jobs that they're looking for? What are their you know thought processes when they want to join a firm and so on? A lot of times students who graduate, they always think that they would get into designing, which doesn't happen right. because they are <laughs> too young for it. And design companies would never give that responsibilities because they still have to go through a learning process. So I right. think... Uh, one thing is that they always feel that uh, I should get into designing and generally they are given renders or they're given to do some drawings. So, but that's a great learning and that's the first step towards understanding how a design practice works. Right. So their aspirations are very different. It takes us time to make them understand the real world and know how things are. And we definitely have those sessions where they are made to understand right. that uh, you have to start with whatever comes and every learning is going to add value. Right. So right. whether it's going to be a uh, learning on site or uh, looking at even preparing working drawings or anything is something that is going to add in your uh, career journey. So just take what comes and uh, uh, yeah, definitely the aspirations are to be a designer. Right. Okay. As professional practices, I will say that, yes, we agree. And uh, we've, we've recently had a hire as well. And Afnan, if you're listening, you know exactly who I'm talking about. But I mean, same thing. I mean, she she kind of came into our practice thinking that, you know, it would be about design and so on. And it's not that it's not. It's just that you can't you you can't expect to, you know, design a tower when you've never designed anything before. There's that there, there's kind of like a, a buildup that happens to it. I think the best example that I ever got was um, when I joined the practice, this director told me, so everything you've learned. Think of it as the foundation of a building. No one really sees it. No one really even thinks about it. But it is very important if you have to build anything on top of it. So that's what you've done for the last five years. So now you're actually going to start seeing the results of what you've put into, you know, your work and your portfolio and so on. So I thought that that example made a lot of sense. And that's what I try to kind of tell a lot of students as well. And there are also a lot of soft skills that you start learning in practice. You know, how do you talk to people, work in teams, communicate yep. with clients? Yep. So these are some things that's also a great learning experience, which they should add on and uh, keep going. And uh, that's something which uh, I think uh, is important for them to understand that uh, they have to start that process. Right. So again, just just from, from your point of view, from academia, in your mind, what what can us as practicing professionals do more? I mean, I know we already do things like, you know, juries and guest lectures and a, a, a lot of professionals even teach part-time and so on. But 
is there anything more that we can do to kind of bridge this gap between professional practice and the academia side of things? Yeah, definitely there is a gap, which is the profession itself is very dynamic. There are new changes that happen. There are transformations happen in terms of design practice. So in terms of what people in practice can do is definitely have it more formalized, the connection between the university and them. So there could be uh, sessions where they could mentor the students. And also, uh, if there's an ongoing site, they can have students coming there to see what's happening. I think that's the best learning because these kind of opportunities really add uh, to the students' experience and uh, practical learning. And also one other thing is that maybe if there is some time possible to have some workshops at their offices, right. I know it's very difficult to get time and uh, right. Right. give that commitment, but uh, definitely that can help. And I think some of the companies do do that, that they invite students to their office to explain them how the office works and what is something they are also looking in terms of uh, expectations from the students. So these are things that practice can add on as a value there. And uh, wherever possible, uh, the connection is can also be done in terms of shaping the curriculum and making it uh, more uh, industry inclusive and uh, wherever possible, these collaborations and dialogues can keep happening. So uh, there's a lot that uh, happens, but uh, definitely a more can happen to bridge that gap. Right, right, right. Industry professionals, if you're listening, <laughs> we have a job cut out for us now. <laughs> now we know what we need to do. Let's get on it. No, I mean, that's, that's brilliant because I'm all about managing expectations on both ends. And I think that's brilliant. I think that works out well for everyone because... Because I think from the profession also, it's so sad. I mean, especially for for graduates here specifically, the first thing that most senior management, when they have to hire or when they have to, you know, interview with graduates, they're like, oh, they don't know anything. Oh, they're this and they're that. And oh, it's this. And oh, then, oh, they don't know this at all. Or they never learned this. How is that possible? And I think it's one thing to kind of address a problem, but it's another entire thing to kind of be the solution as well. And things like this podcast and, you know, like you said, the way that the industry can be involved, I think that's the solution. And I think the more that happens, the better off we'll all be kind of rising tides, you know, lifts all boats type situation. Yeah. And somewhere the experience has to start because, uh, you know, there are companies who say we want two through three years of experience. Yeah. But then where will that experience come if everyone Absolutely. wants experience? Graduate. So I think uh, somewhere that uh, opportunity to start with a zero experience is important that the companies provide for. Right. Um, just one final question on the topic of students. I understand that as part of curriculum, there's, there's a requirement for an internship of, of some, some tenure. In your opinion, do you think that that is enough? Do you think it needs to be kind of like a a one month internship every year for five years or should it be a six month thing at the end of five years? I'm just trying to understand from a, from a curriculum point of view, which do you think would work better? I think six months or one year always helps because one month is a very short time. Right. And if they do it in first or second year, it's too early right. because they're not really matured enough to understand how things work. And right. it's more important to have it in the last year, maybe the graduating year right. where uh, they know most of uh, the softwares, they're aware of a lot of things and it's learning for them to know how the practice works. Right. But internship is definitely important 
And uh, I, I see that uh, they become very more matured when they are completed an internship and when they come back right. to us. So we see that difference is there and that impact is there on their uh, overall thinking. Right, right. It makes a lot of sense. Okay. I've, I've, I've always wondered about that because I've always thought that, you know, maybe if, you know, students right before high school, you know, spent like a week or two in a practice and then did so, you know, every summer or every six months or so, just, just a week or two, kind of just to see what's, what's going on, how things work. I thought that maybe that would have also helped, but I think what you say makes a lot of sense. They'll be able to not just observe, but actually engage by, by fourth year, which maybe makes the experience a lot more better. Makes a lot of sense. Speaking of engaging with the environment, <laughs> the, big, uh, the big buzzword that we were talking about earlier, the grand old metaverse. I don't even know where, where, uh, where do we start even about talking about this? So let's, let's do it with, with, uh, with baby steps. So students, again, what are their thoughts on what the metaverse is? To, to begin with, how do they see their role in this new thing? Yeah, so I remember there was a movie, Avatar. Yes. Some years back, and it was the beginning of uh, having this fiction and science uh, fiction together. And now we see that there's a world of these uh, virtual reality. And metaverse is beginning of a new world, I would say, which we had never imagined. And like a digital twin, you have a virtual reality. Right. So this is a new thing that has come up and uh, it's really going to attract students because they like technology. And they get very much uh, influenced by what's happening in the virtual environments. So I think one of the things that I see that students are getting into is augmented and virtual reality. Uh, they are also getting uh, influenced by a lot of these uh, tools which are there. And uh, architectural consultancy are now being hired in Metaverse. So I think that's a complete new trend that is going to impact the profession. Uh, recently, Zaha Hadid Architects. They created a, a cyber urban city in Metaverse where people can buy plots. I don't know if we had ever, ever imagined this would happen. <laughs> and uh, there are digital buildings, there are assets, uh, there are these avatars where uh, parametricism is the concept there. And with this, I'm sure it's going to attract a lot of students to get into digital media and create this 3D uh, avatars and uh, use their skills towards right. the whole virtual environment. Also, I see this uh, is a whole experience of immersive environment where uh, there is a need for designers. So it's not just a digital infrastructure where consultants and companies are creating uh, cloud computing and making the platform ready, but a lot of demand is going to be for architects. Right, right. And I can uh, definitely see the opportunities opening for Metaverse for uh, also students to be part of it. So there is new scope of a field which was never imagined uh, even maybe last year. Right, right, right. So that uh, fast <clears throat> development has happened and we have to be prepared for this evolving space. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think even for seasoned professionals in the field, I think this whole metaverse thing is definitely exciting. I don't think there's anyone that is saying oh, it's, you know, it's, it's not worth our time or it's not this. I think every professional is really excited about it. Uh, I think like with anything new, there's a lot of, a lack of information and a big, big learning curve. 
uh, with all professionals regarding this. So I think that might be the only thing slowing it down. But I can I can see from a from a graduate point of view how exciting this must be because a lot of things which kind of curb their design thinking when they join a practice is engineering, MEP, gravity, you know, like I can't have, uh, you know, like a 40 meter cantilever without, you know, a column of mm-hmm. some kind. And these kind of things initially I've seen kind of makes them quite, you know, like, oh, I can't really do that. But in something like the metaverse, I mean, Definitely. they can basically do whatever they want yeah. and it's not gonna, it's not gonna be a problem. In fact, that might even be what is wanted, a kind of inverse architecture, if you may. Is that the kind of sense that you're getting from the students as well? Are they really looking into this in a very kind of serious way? Yeah, I think today's students, they can dream more because they've got these tools and technology, resources, a lot of opportunities there for them. So I'm sure that with this kind of no boundaries, they can really have a wide expanse of their design thinking. Right. And there's no limit. And I'm sure there's no cost factor there. So... Yes. You can just go. There's crazy. no cost factor. There's there, there's no cost consultant to tell yeah. you you're over budget. That's and, true. And uh, again, there is uh, no structural constraints. You can keep on uh, imagining. True. And probably when uh, they uh, do that, maybe it's going to help their in design design thinking. It's also going to help them in looking at uh, more creative thinking. Right. So there is. Uh, it seems a good uh, platform, a good opportunity for them and. This is what reality is, that we are getting into the virtual world. Right. So we have to accept that it's there and uh, you have to give them that space to think. Right. And in, in, response to, in response to the metaverse, I'm assuming that there would be things that you are now looking at to introduce within your teaching course and so on. Is, is that also happening now? Or is it still too early? Yeah, uh, no, we are already uh, establishing center for AR and VR because that's the start. And uh, we have to be also prepared for uh, this environment. Right. So uh, infrastructure wise or even the curriculum pedagogy wise, because I'm, I'm sure a lot of students are going to be interested because this generation is all about technology. You know, they have seen, right. they are born in the world of technology. So they adopt to it very fast. Yeah. And if there are going to be opportunities, definitely we have to be prepared to provide them. No, I mean, I think it's a, it's, it's a perfect marriage. It's perfect timing. It's, um, yeah, I mean, part of me is kind of jealous. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I mean, I know for someone like myself, it'll take like a while to kind of get on board with it. But for someone who's just entering architecture, I think it's a brilliant time with all of this going on. Bhakti, I know that we've taken a lot of your time, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop the rambling now. We, we kind of have um, a question, which is kind of like a show special, which uh, is not shared ever. But if you've listened to the show, you know exactly what question it is. Uh, we refer to this as the utopian question. And this utopian question is typically aimed at professionals. But since you're from mainly the academia background, I will twist it ever so slightly. So the utopian question is that in your case, if you have an investor that comes to you and says, hi, Bhakti, I love what you do. You're the best architecture professor ever in the world. And here is a blank check. And I want you to improve the lives of students, architecture students and design students specifically. You're free to do anything with this money, be it infrastructure, technology, more courses, more faculty, anything that you want. 
where do you kind of allocate this capital to and why yeah i would that's a very good question and i wish i could really get an investor <laughs> like that but everybody wants that <laughs> yeah and i would invest in uh, changing the mindset of okay. students and making them think as what is their role to really change the society whether it is uh, you know social sustainability climate change and uh, any other impact that architects can do how do we really do that and if they could do a life project where they could change somebody's life i think that's the best investment uh, we do a lot of hypothetical projects but if we can really take up a community and change the way they live in right. whether it's sustainable living whether it's impact of uh, that they could have on carbon footprint or anything that is a real project and uh, can transform lives i think that's the best investment awesome that was a pretty quick answer like like i took a minute to kind of think about what i would have done but yeah absolutely i completely agree one of the most transformative experiences for me was in university we did this competition for doing this school in umbisa in the grand scheme of things a very small project a very small intervention but the fact that you could be involved with it and literally like you said see it changing lives i mean these kids had no school and now they have a school that kind of thing and just to see them more importantly even years later because we never really lost touch with that particular project we could kind of see the results of it throughout the years which i think was was brilliant so yeah absolutely that makes sense and definitely i mean architecture students also have a role to play for climate change right so you know if they can design or redesign buildings which are net zero or or uh, create that impact so either it could be any ways of uh, making more sustainable living i think then uh, the investor would uh, get the perfect returns absolutely absolutely well bhakti thank you so much for your time um for professionals in the field or students or fresh grads anyone who wants to reach out to you to learn more about a topic or to kind of just you know grab a coffee whatever it may be what's the best way for them to reach you uh i'm always available on whatsapp or even email so all right okay we'll comfortably we'll be sure to link those in the show notes below so if anyone wants to get in touch uh feel free to do so thank you once again on behalf of the show for giving us your time like i said these are very exciting times and i'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from you in the future and we look forward to having you on the show again thanks thanks alan All right and for the rest of you guys we will catch you guys next week fellow a formers thank you guys for listening thank you guys for being part of our journey and thank you for the immense support we've been receiving for our episodes it has and continues to be a very bumpy road but we wouldn't want it any other way if you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value please share this episode with anyone who may benefit from it but of course if you loved the episode follow us on instagram and linkedin send us a little dm and we may just send you a secret link to a secret episode which we've been working on wink wink nudge nudge see you next time keep sketching